Hey. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Scott, how you doing? Good. Oh, didn't see you there, Neil. Oh, wow. Hey, what, what a coincidence. I guess we can do a podcast then, huh? Yeah, what a natural transition. Oh, yeah. Well. Uh, that's Neil. I'm Scott. This is the Tangential Advisory Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. Uh, Neil, what's up? I, uh... Wait, what is up? Have I done anything notable this week? Don't do that. <laughs> no, uh, I, I mean, I only have like music stuff to talk about, I guess, at this point. I'm, do you know, do you know what fret it. tangs are or fret detangers? No, I don't. I mean, I know what a fret is. I don't know what a tang is. So, so a fret, you know, the, the middle strip that goes across the fretboard of an instrument, whether it's a... Right, and the tang, the like uh, sort of orange powder that you put on top of the frets. It's, it's uh, the adhesive and the lubricant. It, it does yeah. both. No. Uh, so the tang is essentially what is underneath the fret, which uh, is what embeds it into the wood. Okay. But if you have a guitar that has binding oh. on the fretboard... I don't know why I didn't think of that. It's the same It's the same concept as a knife, right? A knife, a full tang knife, for instance, is the blade and then it just continues. The metal is all continuous. It's all part of one, you know, uh, it's all part of one solid piece and then you put the handle around it normally. So you're not holding, uh, you know, just like a thin rectangle of metal and then a sharpened blade. Right, So yeah. the, the tang is literally anything that is in contact with the interior of the neck of the guitar. Yeah, exactly. So in the case of uh in the case of frets typically what you can do is you have the entire uh length of the fret and the the tang goes through the entire length of uh, like goes across that entire length if you will, right? Um but when you have uh when you have binding on a neck which means that instead of uh seeing like the fret from one end to the other end and like you see the tang embedded into the wood there's like a strip of either plastic or or wood or whatever material that covers it uh mm -hmm. when you when you have that on the uh edges of your fretboard you have to remove some of that tang well so i've i've been in the process for like a week and a half or two weeks of working on my acoustic guitar my affordable acoustic guitar that i would not have thought needed to have this much work put into it but uh I, I spent like a good portion of time trying to remove the tang, like edges of that blade, if you will, or that, that well, tang, uh, from each side of each fret after cutting them down. But after getting a handful in, without having the appropriate tool realized, it takes a long time just to use a bad file and filing away a bit of metal. So that's what I've been doing in the free time where I have not been working or uh, playing video games or streaming, so... And that's not going to cause any issues with like accidentally scoring any of the wood on the neck, is it? So as long as well, so you would you do it before you put it into the neck or into the fretboard. Mm -hmm. But and how uh, do you know you have it just right? Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a lot oh. of like you do work beforehand and so forth. And there's some some wiggle room, we'll say, in terms of measurements. Uh, mm -hmm. But but it, it certainly feels like it's become uh, spring slash summer, that sort of warmer time of the year, because now I'm doing stuff like this outside or in the garage and whatnot. But that's about all I have to say for my extracurricular activities. What about you, Scott? The outdoors uh, extracurriculars. I mean, I went for a big hike yesterday. That was nice. Um, 
in an area that I'm familiar with. It's Blue Mountain. I've mentioned it many times. Uh, there are like trails that are hiker trails for like hikers, uh, mountain bikers, and horses, and then like some more outdoor recreation areas that have like space for ATVs or dirt bikes. And the dirt bike stuff is sort of fun to hike, but it's fairly intense. Also, it's very tight, so like it's hard to get out of the way of a dirt biker if they're you know ri- if they're you know ripping up or down the trail, and it's on a steeper spot, and the dirt is also very loose. So I'm I'm starting to think that maybe I avoid as many of those uh, mountain bike trails as possible because man, uh, they're a tough hike. Like we probably did. I don't know, like 75% of our hike uh, on regular trail and then did just a little bit of the dirt biker trails. And it was just like, yep, that totally killed me. Like my feet were just, my dogs were barking. My feet were hurting. My knees started to ache a little bit. You're on like sort of looser sand and gravel going up and down these like bumpier wavy uh, sort of like trails. I'm hurting. I'm going camping today and tomorrow, and uh, I'm not going to be leaving the campsite, I don't think. I'll probably be in a hammock the whole time, which is very on-brand for me. Nice. But I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know if there's... uh, trying to think if there's anything else big. Uh, I made these, like, sweet potato bowls that were pretty good Friday night. Um, A recipe that uh, Ashley gave me and uh, it was like sweet potatoes, kale, Brussels sprouts, quinoa. Um, what else did I throw in there? I threw bok choy in there and uh, some... Uh, there's one more item and I can't remember what it is. Where's the meat? I, no meat. Vegan, Neil. Uh, no good? Uh, no, no. Pretty, no, it's pretty delicious. Oh, man. Uh the just like pan pan searing bok choy is there's like I think not a more satisfying veggie with just like salt and pepper and a touch of oil. So good. Delicious. Um really good recipe. I I uh implore you to try it out. Give up on your meat eating ways, Neil. Just for one meal. Just once. I I don't eat a whole lot of meat to begin with, but what a, uh Oh god, I can't re- even remember what it's called now. The there's like a green gourd. I I think some people will call it a pumpkin, but it's it's like a modest sized green gourd that uh has like an orange flesh if you will that you can cut up and like sort of saute or I'll I'll usually like cook it in like a mixture of like soy sauce uh sake, water, sugar. Uh, that sort of thing. Something real basic, maybe some uh, like instant uh, dashi uh, broth powder or whatever granules. But that's a that's a real good thing. You should try throwing in there as well. Like maybe as a compliment to the. Uh, you, you, maybe you could you could even substitute the uh, sweet potato with it. But mm-hmm. because a sweet potato, like my my issue with sweet potato is that at least if we're talking orange yams and whatnot, is that their consistency too goes, sweet. Oh, you find it too sweet? No, I was just I was waiting for you to say not uh not as good as regular potato, too sweet actually. They they fall apart too much on me. Like it's hard to get like a good they get kind of mushy consistency to them. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. 
But then, like, if uh, you start looking at gourds, you can get similar flavor profiles. Similar, but, like, more satisfying texture to them, in my opinion. Mm, no, I, I get that. I've definitely, like, butternut squash, for instance. Yeah. Uh, you know, you roast some of that in the oven. Delightful texture, especially if you sort of, like, get it nice and crisp on the outside. You get that slight caramelization. Also would be phenomenal with these uh, sort of sweet potato power bowls. Um, but no, that's just, that's the exciting, uh, food stuff. Uh, nothing, nothing else too crazy. Had some pho that was just getting pho to go. It kind of sucks. I don't have big enough bowls at home for them. I feel like, I feel like you lose a lot by having pho, uh, offsite from it. Like it's got to come out of the pot. And into your bowl pretty much instantaneously. Do, you gotta do have they, the noodles right in there. Do they separate they things? In, yeah, they separate the noodles. They separate bean sprouts, uh, the basil leaves, lemon, jalapenos. Also the place that I went to for pho. I'm sure I could ask for more, but they really skimp on the jalapenos. I'm surprised. Most places I'd go to, you know, you're getting like six slivers per bowl, more or less. And this place is like, ah, how about two or three? Sad. Not enough for me. I want, I want it spicier. Probably a lot of people that don't use all of them, so they f- don't feel the need to like waste. Yeah. It's like when you go and get sushi uh, from places, and they really skimp out on the, on the wasabi because like, the majority of people probably don't even touch it, or the ginger for that matter. I love the ginger. I am one of those uh, wasabi guys who just like can only have a teeny tiny bit or I cry. But it's so easy. Like it burns my brain. It's so easy. Wasabi's so so easy compared to like uh you know, your traditional hot peppers in my opinion. It's a different heat. It's it, absolutely. You know? It's a much more bearable heat cuz it's gone within seconds. Did your family use a lot of those like horseradish, hot mustard, wasabi in their cooking at all? Like I I don't know how like how much americanized cuisine you had and how much like uh i guess like more family recipes you were using that had that type of that nasal burn because i i just don't i don't eat very much of that and i don't know if i can actually get better at my endurance either at this point so it seems like i'm plateauing i don't think traditional chinese cooking uses a lot of that nasal burn to it i think if anything aside from the regular pepper spice Mm -hmm. it utilizes like i I was actually trying to look into this more because i have no idea what uh what it's actually called called but like the numbing spice that i i think is like uh related to szechuan cooking Mm, i have Hmm. I have that uh, sort of biochem cooking book I think I told you about many episodes back. And I should take a peek at that because I am almost certain that they actually do have a, a page or two talking about the use of those different sort of like chili oils and peppers in East Asian cooking. And, and per, like especially like the Chinese region in general. Yeah, because c- there's a, a certain type of spice. C- I like I personally I don't know if this is correct but I I would personally say there's essentially three different kinds of spiciness when when I say spiciness I mean heat like the mm-hmm. the nasal spiciness that you get from those horseradishes hot mustards wasabi or whatever like the fake wasabi's called 
my uh, weakness then, in the sort of like weapons triangle of uh, of heat. <laughs> you know, one's weak to the other, and so forth. Uh, They're the axe to my spears. And, and and so obviously, like jalapenos, habaneros, whatever, ghost pepper. That's like the like the capsaicin oil. Yeah, that pain spice. And then the third spice is that like you don't necessarily feel it within the same sense. I'm sure it has some of the pain spice to it, but instead, it's more like a numbing sensation. A like you can kind of feel your lips like become Blue sensation, swollen. yeah but not really swollen. I don't know if they're actually swollen, but it's that sensation of like, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think it's like, it's, it's prickliness, you know, it's like when you get an analgesic or, you know, like lidocaine or something, right. Where you sort of have a tingle sensation instead of, yeah. Instead of like pain. And it has a different effect on your body too. Like where if you were to go and swallow a habanero right now, like the effects on your stomach that that would have, are, are, like it's more discomfort i would say whereas like this other spice it's more of like a warmth or something I, but i mean this could also just be like psychological you know but and, and i i'm wondering if i'm even wrong about it being associated to whatever like uh whatever sort of spices are used in szechuan cooking because like i went and got some very americanized uh szechuan dishes recently and i couldn't like i wasn't getting the same uh feeling that like i was looking for so i okay neil i've already i've already uh i think been able to find something that may be more useful for your search and that is uh an article from silence not silence sorry science daily and uh it is a report from researchers at university college london um that's talking about uh, complex interactions from the Szechuan pepper uh, that chemically activates light touch fibers on the lips and tongue and sends the equivalent of 50 light taps to the brain per second. So I think this is what we're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dr. Nobuhiro Hagura. Yeah, this is the first time that we've been able to show how chemicals activate touch fibers, including a measurable frequency. We know that natural products like chili, mustard oil, and menthol can activate the thermal and pain fibers in the skin, but we wanted to find out why Szechuan pepper specifically works on the light touch fibers, producing a conscious sensation of touch and that distinctive tingling feeling. Got it. There we go. Hey. So Szechuan, there's got to be a particular uh, compound that is triggering uh, this, like these receptors. And seeing as this report is from 2013 probably more on it so what i need to do is i need to go and get some szechuan peppercorns when i go to the asian mart later quick aside speaking of going out and whatnot in public i don't i don't know if it's at all concerning to you or whatnot but like uh, i think we talked about this last week or the week before about like how our our states or governors were probably racing to like bald oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they were probably racing to get rid of any uh like Hair. state mask mandates so that that's officially like the the case for omaha at least yeah uh, same here we uh, now have businesses that'll say like face masks strongly like strongly recommended or suggested yep. which means that uh especially the people you'd be most concerned about wearing a face mask do not give a fuck and do not bother. And that is a lot of people. 
Dude, I, I was trying to get some rolled ice cream, some plain ass rolled ice cream, you know. And uh, the first place I went to, uh, which was like our, our standard go to spot, it's a place called Freezing. Uh, okay. We went there. The whole fucking like small little shop or whatever was full of people. There was like half of the people didn't even have masks on. It was fucking I. I looked at it. I was like, well, if, if even not for that, it was just like, that's going to take way too long. Obviously, you, you don't have like ice cream ready to serve, you know, pre-order, if you will, in those situations. They have to make it. Yeah. You'll so, be hanging out for a bit. Uh, I drove all the way to downtown to see if I could get some there. Similar situation. Like, like the line was out the door. I don't know what it is with people wanting ice cream when I want it. Now, uh, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, it makes sense. It, it's a Saturday. It's uh, it, it, it's the summer. Yeah, almost. It's, it's nice out, and I'm happy that these local shops are making uh are making good business right now. But boy, is it is it kind of alarming to see like shops packed full of people. But mm-hmm. uh, I I do have to say, oh, wait, unless uh you have more to talk about regarding non-video game related stuff. No, I think we can go right into video games. You you talked about wanting to take a break, you know, like take a breather because your your legs, your your feet are killing you. My legs are definitely still feeling the pain of my first adventure with Ring Fit. Oh no way! Yeah way. Uh, so I I'm not going to talk about this to any extent in time because I think it's a relatively well known thing at this point. You get like a resistance ring that you put your Joy-Con into and you have a Joy-Con strapped to one of your thighs and it measures based off of that and the good faith that you're actually doing the exercises asked upon with the screen that, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing things properly and so forth. Uh, I started doing Ring Fit Adventure and I made the mistake as someone that's not super active, at least when it comes to like anaerobic exercise to begin with, to uh, tell the game to make to give me an intense workout <laughs> and uh like it 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 seems like it's obviously not something for someone that is like super fit and already doing you know uh like intense workouts on their own but as something mm-hmm. to catapult yourself into becoming more active boy is it uh is an intense workout pretty actually intense and i just assumed i i like undersold myself entirely when i was building up my profile they were like do you do any activity at all like i do some idle activities at work and such and at home so like it's not like i'm completely inactive but like i'm just like i don't do any activities at all uh Mm -hmm. you know here's here's my weight here's my height yada yada and then when they asked about like what level of workout i was looking for i was like intense obviously and by the end of it, by the end of like the hour of playing the game or whatever, uh, it, it's obviously not like an hour of exercise because, you know, you have like in between stuff, you have points where you're just, you're just doing light jogging to get from one point to another in the adventure. Which is and, good because you do need those rest periods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the number of crunches in particular that I went through and I, I was not trying to like focus on one exercise. Uh, I'll, I'll get to this in a second. But like I, I definitely tried to focus on everything they gave me in an equal uh, amount but by the end of the hour i was playing the game i like sat back in the chair that that's in the uh, living room and like only 15 minutes later did i realize i had fallen asleep <laughs> <laughs> i was just like what the fuck uh but 
it worked you out then yeah it, it it's pretty cool though uh like obviously uh oh god what was this uh shizio and chad said something along the lines of it was like the he made a great analogy for this game but it, it's basically like the uh oh god it was a it was a language learning app it it wasn't this one in particular but it's the babble fish of like work it, uh working out basically okay um but uh it's kind of it's kind of cool because it it's an rpg actually and uh instead of you know just pressing buttons to do your attacks you end up doing certain exercises that range from like you know uh sit-ups chin-ups or not chin-ups um uh i'm trying to remember what they're called but squats would be another example and then certain things that involve the uh the resistance from the ring um Mm -hmm. and so you start off with four different attacks and i'm assuming you can rotate those out uh later on but uh but so i did each of those equally but like the the one thing i felt after like a day or so after that uh that initial intense workout quote unquote was just my legs and like specifically my thigh muscles were and still kind of are just killing me mm-hmm. so like walking up the stairs and stuff i still feel like that that soreness doing it's like anything. 48 hours 48 hours is 48 hours is sort of the mark where like if you're doing an intense exercise especially for the first couple times like that's actually where the muscle soreness is going to hit you the most. It's not the day after, but the day after that. That that would make sense, yeah. Because, yep. So I mean, it once prevented me from climbing stairs to get to my car on campus in oh. college because I was doing. I joined Jahan for a couple workouts, and uh, I think I feel like you met my friend Jahan, or you at least know a little about him. Yeah, I think uh, once before he's one of the buffest men alive i've personally known and uh yeah did like a couple of those like three hour full body workouts with him and it's a couple days later and i'm like hanging on to the railing that is an absolute necessity uh when you are that like racked by sort of pain and muscle soreness to even get up like a flight of stairs just like one foot after the other almost feeling like i had to pick up the leg to move it um It'll go away. It helps to stretch as well. You know, are you stretching at? Is the ring fit prompting you to stretch, or it's part of the cool down? That's really good that they do that because that's the easiest way to sort of end up with an accidental injury. Is the uh, like post workout no stretch? I I like how the game even promotes you to like do things like uh, after you get done with the workout part before the cool down. The game even says things like. Oh, I bet if you're if you're sweaty and a little smelly, then why don't you go ahead and change your clothes and come back? You know, I'll wait for you and stuff like that. Oh, that's nice. It's really personable, you know. Yeah. Um, have you have you been thinking about your personal finances lately? Perhaps and uh, <laughs> perhaps consider investing. Um, yeah. What else? Have you eaten a uh, Have you eaten healthy breakfast every morning? It, it kind of does shit like that too. It's it's definitely. I, I know you're getting was... into sleep as a doting mother. It's just like, uh, you know, how are your personal relationships? Have you have you decided to like? I mean, have you? Oh, what would be something useful that the the game could do? Like remind you that you're 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 worthy, that you're valuable, that you're worth you're worth something. All right. When are you getting married? <laughs> I need. <laughs> when are you, when are your children going to play me, Neil? 
ring fit starts getting really nosy it becomes uh a, a too active of a mother in your life i mean i i know we joke about it but i think this is one of like the late iwata's uh directions that he wanted to take like products that nintendo was uh you know creating or developing would be things that would promote like a healthy lifestyle to their to their customers and i mean i think they i think this is a pretty like a pretty good realization of that theory or of that principle that motivation much better to be using sort of the calisthenics and like promoting this healthy behavior and not the like weight loss goal shaming of the we of the we fit like the balance board where it's I, just like womp womp you haven't worked out in three days you lard like <laughs> literally I, I, some of the toxic design i mean there, there's uh, also a degree of that i think comes from like japanese culture, culture to sure begin with, yeah you know. calisthenics are a huge huge part of that um the radio calisthenics programs and that uh ring fit seems a lot better uh, yeah. It certainly sounds like it's doing a more holistic approach than like the Wii Fit. I'm sure wanted to do, but was unable to really like actually capitalize on and do a good job at. Um, all that being said, uh, you know Iwata also was around and part of the company when Super Smash Brothers Online became a big thing. So obviously, the mental health is not something they're as interested in. <laughs> well, I mean. Th- they would they would maybe say that like they don't want any sort of competition. I you know what we don't have to go down that, down that <laughs> route. Uh, then what are what are global smash points for Neil? That's my question. I'm I'm happy to be in a position where like all of any sort of smash drama feels like uh, ancillary to me. It's like it's whatever. It's like. I think that it, I think it helps. I'm just not into fighters as much as I was as a kid. You know, me In too. Fact, yep. I don't. I don't think I play any fighters now. At this point, feels bad. But uh, Omori, let's let's get it out of the way so we don't let's forget. Let's talk Omori. I I don't know if there's going to be necessarily a whole lot to go over. So guys, we're we're talking about Omori spoilers. This is something that Scott finished a few weeks ago. Yeah, we're definite like we could be committing the rest of the episode to this. So anybody who is, uh, you know, listening to the audio file of the podcast, like you may want to save this one for later. If you haven't played Omori, uh, I think it both has Neil and I's like recommendation as a fun and good game. I would say it's even like, I don't like to talk about the price point all the time, but like when I consider how much time I put into the game for the cost that I paid as well, like, a really good deal in that sense as well. But yeah, oh, giant Omori spoilers ahead. And it's a game that definitely will be a very different play if you sort of know what's happening at the end or in the background. So you've been warned. Of uh, I, I, I want to open by saying that like so many games have that sort of uh, trigger warning at the start now about like how this game deals with X and X or something and something. And for the most and this part, this one really needs it. Yeah, for the most part, I feel like a lot of those games don't really justify the warning, if that makes sense. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people shouldn't have like proper warning. Or maybe what I'm saying is that Omori is like the first one to actually make me personally feel like 
uh i i needed you to pay more attention the warring. to warring yeah. yeah like what am i what am i trying to say about it it's it doesn't feel like it's being disrespectful to any of those things either whereas like i i hate to bring it up but it's like one of the first games that became popular for the shock value right but uh mm-hmm. doki doki literature club obviously has some of those trigger warnings but like i don't think doki doki literature club necessarily treats depression as anything other than a plot device right totally agree so omori on the other hand like i mean it's essentially the core thesis of uh of the story without without approaching it like so it i is that is that what justifies something no longer being treated as a plot device when that it is actually the main theme of the game or one of the main themes but. I would I would say that's exactly it. Like ultimately this game and how its story is told and is resolved like literally all of that revolves around topics of like depression and remorse, guilt, like confrontation of trauma. Like it's all it is a lot of things balled up into one, but like there's there's literally no way you can you can take depression out of it and have the game not sort of collapse under its own weight. And maybe that's an argument that can be made. It's like Doki Doki Literature Club, a weird game and very sort of interesting in its own right. Uh, You can like kind of pull that out and the game may also not survive, but I see how there's a viable format of just making it like a weird, scary game that it sort of turns into without actually having a depression beat or element at all in a way that Omori, if you take that out, how do you make the game? What is the game? If you take that out, right? It it feels like it is the spine as opposed to like some other supporting tissue. But where do you want to begin with this? Cause it's obviously been quite a while since I've, I've played it, but, uh, what do you want to mm. what do you want to say about the game Scott? That's the real the, the real thing. What do I want to say about the game? I want to say that when I started the game, one of the things you told me was that the story was not I this is difficult now because we we always we have audio logs of literally anything we've ever said about a game on mic somewhere out in the ether. But neither of us are going to bother to check specifically what it is. So tell me if I'm wrong. But I got the impression the first time that we uh, spoke about it, and you mentioned sort of the story as a whole, is that it wasn't anything particularly special, or like it was, um, it was what you were expecting. And uh, I would say that that wasn't like knowing that information. I still was not able to... I still don't think I could confidently say the same thing. I think it still caught me by surprise and confused me at a couple of points um, in a way that it was It was nice to um, be exposed to still like a mystery and some like almost red herrings throughout the progression of the game. And... I never like I didn't know the whole I didn't know and I was unable to predict sort of one of the possible resolutions or the direction of the game until it was pretty much done um which was 
I always like that. I always uh, prefer to have that in a game versus sort of knowing where things are going. But um, I was just surprised that it like that you were not surprised by the game. I think in your description, I I feel like it was more that like as you get further and further in, you you start to see the breadcrumbs and you kind of know where it's going, but you just don't know the the actual explanation for it. If that makes sense. Hmm. Like. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Mar Mari. Um, your older sister, like her death is, I think, pretty evident by maybe a third of the way through. Like you notice she's never like she's never with you in the same way as the other characters. Um, and there's sort of these like ominous images or themes that seem to overlap with Mari. And, and so you start to piece something together like. Mari's not around anymore. Something happened to Mari. And you also don't know her relationship, I think, as your older sister until maybe the second day, at least, too. Or, which it, is yeah, at least like one day or so in. It's really, it's really vague about establishing what the, what the connections are between are. all of your characters. Right. I, I don't I, even think you know that Kel and Hero are brothers for quite a while. It, and at one point, like, so I, I remember thinking to myself when I was starting the game, I wasn't sure if they were all siblings. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I, I was starting to suspect that Kel and Aubrey were siblings instead of Kel and Hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, you know, it was obviously all over the place for me at that point. Um, and I, I think it's good, though. I mean, it, it's it's not without it's not without intention from what I can tell, because the game is implying it, it, the game is, uh, as I put it before, leaving bread breadcrumbs that really only make sense uh for like the main twists in of the game right from the get-go like the whole like do you open the door for that person or not uh mm-hmm. i mean i'm assuming everyone o- initially opens the door in the dead of night because who wouldn't do Which that is in the real life? worst choice yeah uh but uh, i wouldn't actually uh <laughs> if it's a video game i'll take that risk but if i can't actually like peek through a window i don't know if i'm answering the door in the dead of night where's the people uh but but really, oh yeah, the, the worst choice is the shower indeed, Gizlek. Never never take a shower in the middle of the night when you think something spooky is happening. Thank goodness you don't have uh, the option to bathe or shower in this game. Which is one of those small little things where it's like, is, is that, you know, is My it smelly? intended? Is it intended yeah. because your f- character's fucking depressed? <laughs> I mean, it's also just jrpg or classic rpg yeah. mechanics of like you know why would you ever take a shower and stuff and such you don't even really need to eat food i think after one per- there's one particular point in time where you are more or less eating food as part of progression uh and other than that like i don't think you eat again and you unless throw you up want afterwards to. too that's right yeah you can't eat actually that's what this game teaches you is that omori uh must photosynthesize what what had me i think what might have also like imparted that that uh sentiment i had was that i was starting to wonder if there is a lot of like built-in hidden mechanics sort of like uh silent hill 2 um where like in this particular game uh that it would matter if you started doing things like oh maybe i need to eat just eat regularly in general to like improve sunny's emotional state like where 
you know, we have a shit ton of different types of healing items. Is there a purpose behind them? Like, does it matter if I'm eating candy to heal my HP during the daytime sequences over eating regular food? So I started mm-hmm. to like get really paranoid is the best way to put it over small things like that. Yeah. The, I think the big division is if you're uh, using orange juice or apple juice. That that pissed me off so much when he fucking slapped the orange juice <laughs> out of my hands. Like, what the fuck? I spent good money on that. Five dollars. I forgot all about the Arag- Aragnid Joe or like the orange Joe or whatever that is the coffee orange juice combo. That is the nastiest thing I've ever heard oh. of. <laughs> uh, how, how do you feel like... How did you feel at the end of the story? Like at the end of everything... Do, do you feel hopeful? Do you feel like... Uh, how, how do you feel the resolution sits for the main characters? Because like... I, really I some... bummed. Pretty, pretty sad. Fairly depressed by the ending with like the... I think the motivation to try and feel hope about it. You know? Like... It just feels so up in the air that I'm like... I don't think this would work out, but I'm hoping that it does or did. You know, it's like choosing your headcanon to be sunnier than what you think the actual reality is. Yeah, because at the end of the game, it's implied. It's implied. You don't even technically know, but it's implied that Sunny and Basil or Basil uh, come clean with what they had done. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's not directly stated, but I cannot imagine that you actually don't do that for the good ending. Right. You know? And so it doesn't make sense because the whole, like the last two or three hours prior to that, especially if you're pursuing sort of this good ending is you confronting it. And then also confronting that secret with Basil, um, about like opening up or coming clean about it like acknowledging that it happened so and you have like a fade to black with the group where it's like hey guys you know we need to talk or we need to tell you something what else could it possibly fill that space i think it's mostly them just taking an easy sort of narrative tool by going to black i'm sorry i, I took the, like it could be i'm sorry i took the pepper spray from your mom's purse I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, Kel, I took uh, $20 from your closet and I've been chugging uh, Aragna Joe this whole time. And so that's why I ended up in the hospital. (laughs) There's, yeah, there's a few things in that game that I'm still kind of confused about, like uh, the nature of um, the nature of Sweetheart's Castle and uh, what that figure in the basement or entity in the basement uh would do yeah i've been really tempted to go back and interact with it but i just like i guess i forgot about it or i missed it at the critical point as far as i know at least on my playthrough i could not do anything more with him because i i i feel like i did quite a bit of backtracking to make sure i didn't miss too many things i apparently missed a few side quests and such and then there's apparently a lot more stuff that opens up if you choose to never leave your house as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if uh, I have any specific talking points with Amori at this point. 
I think maybe I can't remember if I had said it, but I certainly felt it um, before the complete end of the game that the like Humphrey arc in the game might have been a little uh, might have been like additional content not needed or a little over the top. But actually, when I think about it uh, in the relation to sort of the repression of secrets and sort of being consumed by that repression, I was like, holy shit, this is one of the most important sort of metaphorical elements in the game. And uh, if I had said that previously, like I definitely need to backtrack on that particular perspective. Like it, it certainly makes a lot more sex in the, or sense in the total context of the game versus um, when you experience it at first. I think there is still enough, like there's still enough doubt in the air as to Omori's agency in uh, you know the tragic events that lead to uh his sister uh dying and so yeah i guess that's like for a while i thought ah the slime sisters are cool and like this is a very fun like the area's concept is cool and the music is great but i'm like i'm really just not sure like where the utility of this comes to play and it turns out that it it was more of a foreshadowing uh element as opposed to at that point, you had been in the real world for maybe two days, and so a lot of the other stuff had already been sort of contextualized. Like, even things in the world that maybe you haven't bumped into into the dream world yet, you can now make the connection. Like, oh, this is what... Like, when you meet it in the dream world, then at that point, you know directly what to relate it to in the real world for the most part. And it, it certainly serves as, I think, a great rising action for like what becomes the climax before going to that portion of the game, I don't think there's that much creepy shit going on. But uh, it gets super dire at that point and beyond. And, totally and, agree. you know, shortly after the Humphrey section of the game is when you start dealing with uh, Black Space. Mm-hmm. And, ob- you know, obviously that's a whole, like, Yume Nikki. Yume Nikki? Is that the game I'm thinking of? Um, no, Yume Nikki is Future Diary, right? Uh no no Mi- Mirai Niki oh, is okay. Future Diary. So you yeah. y- Niki is just like an old RPG maker, like psyched. How to put it? Like a psychedelic experience that's really surreal. Um, but the Black Space uh chapter of the game is very very surreal, very psychedelic is i i don't want to use that word though like i I don't think that's the right term for it it's abstract yeah abstract's good disorienting yeah um and there's a little too much of it i think we both maybe spoke about that uh in somewhat veiled terms on a previous episode but it also does feel like sort of an overt like there are scenes that are happening in some of these areas that would provide greater context and make sense and there are other areas that it's just like, you just decided to make this weird space. Um, and now you, you know, don't like, and now you have it in here, but if you take it out, I would not notice its absence. It, like, it, it's one of those situations where I'm like, am I, maybe it's that I'm not abstract enough myself or abstract enough of my thinking to know whether or not there's some symbolism here that I'm just not getting. But like there are there are obviously some very good rooms or doors that you go through. Like one of the highlights of that portion, not because I like it, but be, be, because I think it's especially powerful, 
is uh, the room you enter where your cat is on a cutting table, essentially. That is that I think that's a super powerful one, and um, it certainly implies a possible a possibility of uh, Sunny maybe doing something in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I I think I think that's one of the one of the storytelling elements that the the writer and designer of this game. Uh, or a good example of how they're able to kind of let your imagination go wild there. Like after seeing that cutscene, you know, I think it sort of implies a nature to the canon that it's sort of dynamic and kind of up to the player to determine what had happened in the past too. Because like obviously, mm-hmm. one of the things you can do in there is I, I'm assuming because I, I I don't think either of us did it. Uh, you can presumably cut Mew Mew or whatever the cat's name is, right, and kill Mew Mew there. Which would maybe be symbolic of would never do it though of Sonny maybe doing that in one canon or one you know in one person's head canon, if you will, because um, he doesn't have a cat anymore, but it's like, also pretty like if if you ask me if they if they kept the cat, which you know it's not like it, there's any reason to believe that the cat had already de- had had died of natural causes or, or old age, but like don't you think the cat probably would have moved with the mother at that point already, probably, yep. Because also, I think you get the cat as a kitten, and you see that in the uh, in the photo album, and the photo album's not that old. Yeah, so a couple years old, right? So, and cats live like twenty years on average, or something like that. I, I think I think a lot. I mean, I know a lot of old cats. I guess. Yeah, if they're well taken care of, I'm sure they can get pretty old. It depends on breeds and stuff too. But even even mm-hmm. like if we're talking about outdoor cats indoor outdoor cats like i think it's still average of more than 10 years typically if they're properly cared for um but like that that's i think one of the really one of the really good standouts of this game is that not everything is implicitly uh directed or uh is is necessarily like spelled out for you um mm-hmm. like the same thing sort of applies to some of the 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 play or the the playmates you have in the dream world have counterparts obviously in the real world but there's a few things that may or may go uh or may may not uh it, they they might they might have been something that you missed uh, on your playthrough but there there's a particular character that's uh privy to puzzles in the in the playground of the dream world and when you go into the cemetery there's actually one one grave that has like puzzle pieces uh, mm-hmm. on or by it which i i personally would assume implies that the character that sunny or the 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 kid that sunny knew a couple years ago has now passed away or might have passed away uh, even before he uh you know became reclusive I can't remember. Don't they look like they sort of look like a puzzle ghost too when you talk to them? Maybe. Maybe I, not. I I don't remember. I know like a lot of the playmates in the playground are straight up. Are also stuffed animals. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's definitely there's definitely like bits and pieces here and there that like you know nothing's ever spoken or said about them. But like uh, but you can start to come up with your own, uh, with your own conclusions mm-hmm. uh, based on your experiences within the real world. I mean. It's it's really interesting just thinking about characters like Sweetheart, who's the owner of the candy shop. Like, is is Sunny just someone who doesn't necessarily like that type like of her. personality, <laughs> and so that's why he uh, like associates these negative energies towards her. 
or you could you could take the completely different direction that maybe there's actually something supernatural going on um like you you could certainly believe that like when you see all of the terror elements of the game that those are not necessarily like self-inflicted hallucinations from guilt but instead there's actually a supernatural element uh i i don't know if i necessarily believe in that but like it it, it it certainly seems very, very extreme for Sonny to see the imagery surrounding Basil during some of the uh, climatic scenes of the the real world, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there is an active trash cult that you have to fight potentially. So, oh, so you did do not that outrageous, part then, right? No, but I am aware of it now. Like I, I went and sort of looked back at some of the stuff I missed. Which that could have been like a. It's implied that maybe that could have just been a daydream too. Even though it's a really fun <laughs> part where you get to play as, uh, you know, as the older forms of all of your characters. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I'll, a, it's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. If, and, uh, if not for Nosia, I think it would be my favorite story of 2021 mm-hmm. so far. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly the strongest thing. And I can't, I can't really picture anything else that I've played in 2021. Also, 2021 is going to have a very limited number of releases, I think, this year. Um, this is where we'll start to see some of the like delay in production during the pandemic and whatnot really hit. Um, I mean, it's not going to come. The other game that I'm really excited for this year is Deathloop. I don't think Deathloop's story is going to beat out, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't know. Loops always, loops are always uh, a good story element, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, most of my favorite games have some element of like time travel or looping or like I don't know that that's that's my that's my big that's my big thing. Even even Omori has a sense of looping. That's true with the dreams and whatnot. I really I'm uh I'm like looking through it. I'm not seeing much for stories really at all. Uh that are memorable to me that have released this like this year so far though yakuza so yakuza like a dragon is this so you're saying yakuza like a dragon a game you're playing right now which also when i said nice hair i'm talking about your main character not oh yeah i don't know my camera wasn't up at that point in time i was aware yeah um isn't that Um, a 2020 game it says 2021 let me double check well it's also it's releases for so it says PlayStation 5 release. So, okay. Potentially Yakuza Like a Dragon could uh, have released sooner on a different uh, console. Yeah, I, I, I think PC, PlayStation 4 had their release date in 2020. So that's why I didn't mm, okay, throw that okay. in there. That makes sense. I mean... Yeah. Uh, but, but Monster Hunter Rise is probably not going to do it. Uh, I'm sure it's still not playing that until it's on PC, so... Yeah. But I don't know, the Switch Pro console, or whatever that ends up getting called, If uh, depending on the price point there and what kind of improvements they're looking at. What am I saying? We'll probably buy one, so we have two Switches. But 
Disco Elysium, the final cut. I mean, if you want to count that, it, it's somehow the same reason. In, I'd, I'd give it, you know, I'd give it story of the year because Disco Elysium was phenomenal. But like, it's Disco the same Elysium, reason why you can't give Royal uh, Persona Five Royal the same accolades. Uh, or at least I couldn't. It's like the the majority of the game was already out, already done. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if the if the added content was so fucking good that it like addresses a lot of the weaknesses in the story and goes but further and applies like a huge epilogue. It's actually a sequel on top of the base game. Like in yeah, maybe maybe it deserves having like an award or like a recognition from one of us as much as best story of 2021. But I don't necessarily think it's. It's been advertised as such. Uh, you also probably then can't count near replicant uh, just because the title is uh, too long to say an award in any sort of award ceremony. I mean, that's a. I, I would say I would have troubles giving that anything because it's a remake remaster. It's more of a remaster than a remake, but mm. but um. But yeah, no, absolutely. They they clean up a few things on the gameplay aspect, but like it's it's something that already exists, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I, I mean, Final Fantasy VII at least is uh, like so reimagined and changed up. Like it it that that's that's like I think the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for. That's like the the bar that you have to pass in terms of like whether or not you're just acknowledging a game for past accomplishments. You know, Seven's a completely different game. Seven Remake is a completely different game from Seven. So it, that's where it makes sense to me. Resident yeah. Evil and then 2 some, Remake is a completely different game from Resident Evil 2. And it's so good. Uh, might go back and play. I don't know. Man, that's one thing. Story for Resident Evil 8, I don't give a shit. Whatever. It's... Wait, it's Resident Evil did story. Did you finish it? Yeah, I finished it, by the way. Uh, the gameplay, awesome. Can't wait to do some new game plus with that game. I was not super interested in doing it for 7, just because I was like, I don't know. It's going to, like, if I have access to any sort of benefits, or I, I just don't see how the beginning of the game is really all that interesting at all once you're familiar with it. Um, like, a lot of the sort of horror elements i think are just completely gone um and that was what that game was very strong with in its background as being like one of the best horror experiences i've had in resident evil 7 while resident evil 8 it's like the gameplay is what sold that game for me predominantly so So it doesn't matter if i don't get scared before you say anything let's quickly say resident evil 8 spoiler discussions beginning right now so be careful guys resident evil village uh be wary if you're in chat and you haven't seen the ending of the game and plan on playing it because we've both Call finished it, it then yeah re age for everything uh so you, you didn't care about the story did you not feel anything at the end he was a mold man the whole time Damn it, uh, mold no, men i have feelings actually... too I felt i felt nothing for him because i think ethan is such an empty vessel you know um that i was just like makes sense that he's just mold also kind of wild that like so his i guess his wife knew that he was nothing but a mold man at that point i mean it cer- certainly Is implies something secret? because because she she was constantly saying it's not about it's not about rosemary it's about you like i'm worried about you right mhm so i 
because you're a mold man. Gross. Honestly, a little gross. I mean, imagine having a kid with a mold man, you know? With a mold man. But you I mean, haven't, yeah, he, here's the problem scored. with this conversation and this mentality that you have. If you replaced mold man with any human race, like any ethnicity, you'd be in a lot of trouble, okay? I'm just saying would, that mold men are people too. I would never do too. that. No, mold men okay. are people too, Scott. Mold people are mold, though. Like, I, this is this is where you lose in the argument. Like, in the terrible, terrible devil's advocate argument you're trying to make is you're talking to a biologist where I can say, you're not, it's not even a division of, like, different species. We're Wait, talking but, about a division literally at the very start of sort of, like, what kingdom are you in? But, but hold on here. You, 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 uh... I don't know if you're you're necessarily vegan now, but you attribute I'm not. But you you do like deign some of the reasons or rationale behind veganism as being like worth worthy or like something you can align to, right? So it's like if you don't want to fucking if you don't want to slaughter the chickens in a in a gruesome way, mold. why why would you want to slaughter the mold in a gruesome way? Damn it! Uh. <sighs> mold is uh it is ethical to eat mold mold can't think or feel in in a way that uh but but this mold can oh that's true okay actually you got me there (laughs) this fantasy mold can think and feel which is why i'll go on record saying i would not eat ethan winters but i also would not fuck ethan winters either (laughs) so I I mean okay so may, maybe it, it, it's the ability I have and I I tend I I think it's partly why I get affected by like uh, scary games scary media not I not media because like movies don't really bother me to the same extent but I let myself get immersed by things even if they're bad like objectively bad forms of media or games right I I let myself get tied up emotionally and and maybe with that with that being like a kicker like i I personally found resident evil 8 to be kind of a bummer in terms of story and by bummer i mean i was sad that like ethan this character that keeps getting shit on by everyone like he keeps getting his hand fucked up all over the place his hands fucked up all over the place and then bam he, he gets his happy life ripped away from him like it was a bummer to me, and it's still a bummer thinking that we're not going to play as Ethan, the dad, like the dad level of witty, stupid post battle remarks is no <laughs> it's longer. It's always post battle, though. It's always after he's done. And he's like, "Yeah, fuck you, come and get me." It's like, "Yeah, you've killed them." There's <laughs> we we're ignoring all of the times I had to reload because you got you know uh, both hands cut off, Ethan. Oh, it, it's just I don't know. I, I was I personally didn't necessarily think like the story was amazing or anything, but I, I certainly felt like it was effective in illustrating uh or n- not illustrating, but it was effective in like pulling me in as someone that was rooting for Ethan. Like I don't even care about Mia. Like who cares about Mia? Not me. Zoe was way no, better. I, I was gonna say I left her behind for Zoe when I had the choice. Uh <laughs> for sure. So when I saw her, I was just like, What are you doing here? Uh I I wasn't even expecting like I wasn't expecting there to ever be any sort of greater association either between Ethan and Zoe after saving her just like I've saved Zoe I think it was the right call good on me I hope she lives a happy life so when well, I then see she Mia dies and in our house yeah and then she dies it turns out uh, <laughs> and so when I see uh, 
when I see Ethan and Mia and their house full of so much wine. Uh, I was actually doing comparisons with Sierra and Kyle when I was streaming where they were like, let's count how many wine bottles are in Ethan's home. Let's compare that to the Dimitrescu like wine cellar. Oh, it's not that big of a difference. These people are alcoholics. <laughs> I, I mean, well, there, there's definitely evidence to uh, uh, associate to that, but or I mean, to uh, support that. But I mean, there there is also just a possibility of like what I would guess is a bunch of Japanese environment artists or designers being like what is a western european or i guess this would be eastern Euro- european right what's an eastern what european, european home house like? uh house look like though they're technically like they're americans in europe what would that look like it's well, wine they would use credit cards and uh they would have lots of wine that's something they do right mm-hmm. i don't i don't think they're necessarily what what was his job even what what did ethan winners do for a living post Resident Evil 7 pre Resident Evil Village. He probably didn't have a job, right? No, but he does because in one of the cutscenes, like he's talking to Mia and Mia's like concerned about him and he gets a call and he's like and it, his phone literally oh, says work. work. He's like I have to take this. I'm sorry. Like is he working with Chris or Yeah, he's just like a pencil pusher now for uh the what's the company i don't know not the bsa not umbrella apparently. yeah not the bsaa umbrella but not umbrella right blue but umbrella because it's uh because it's resident evil and so it all makes no sense if you ask me i mean okay okay so going on the topic of things i didn't like about the story that i can agree with you on i think the whole mm-hmm. the whole idea about making this the origin story of umbrella was dumb and probably didn't need to exist cannot believe that that was the origin story for umbrella i did not know that but i saw it and i was like so does i i think i made the joke we're gonna find umbrella like paintings on cave walls and you kind of did yeah like like, you're gonna go to lascaux and you're gonna see like the the buffalo and the spear paintings and then you're going to see or i guess there's not there's no buffalo at lascaux let me be completely clear but uh, yeah, you'll find like an umbrella made with sort of finger paints uh, against the cave walls. And it was like, oh, <laughs> umbrella mixed a bad batch of berries back in ten, like, uh, you know, 10,000 BC. And uh, that poisoned these people and turned them into mindless husks. I, I just... <laughs> It's far, it's far cry primal, but with Resident Evil, <laughs> I, I would have been fine with them. Like I, I wasn't that miffed about the connection between the Spencers and uh, Village. Mm-hmm. What got me more so was that the icon was just there, like the same. Yeah, fucking come on, just umbrellas just... didn't exist then. That's the best part. Like they're naming it Umbrella Corps, and it's not even an umbrella then contextually. Like well, wait, wait, wait. Would they else. not have had umbrellas in like the 18-1700s? Oh, is that when the village was actually... Okay. I think so. I, it's like I 200 guess, yeah. years. Um, I'm well, sure wait, wait, wait. No, some no, sort no. of... Let me, let me retract that statement because I, I don't think they knew... I think they stumbled across these artifacts too at mm-hmm. that point in Which time. Which means they're older than the village. Yeah, yeah. I, I, could, I could have it wrong Aided, a bit. Sorry. But fuck, it's so dumb. But anyway, yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play some harder modes and maybe the mercenaries uh, sort of like 
games and challenges and i'm gonna get some infinite ammo for some fun guns that i wasn't able to afford the first time around when the chris redfield dlc comes out are you gonna play that you think yeah because it's definitely coming out isn't it it's like they don't even have to say it's coming out it's like ah chris disappeared for some key moments in the story that would be real interesting and he already is playable to some function for i loved that segment by the way getting to play as chris and just being complete action mode that was a blast so much fun have no idea why they equip you with a knife for that when you're just like i have practically infinite ammo why would i ever use the knife in combat because that knife's good man that knife's good is it It, it's like it it looks like one of those knives that you use on fruit you know like how you can cut (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what like, kind of knives are you using no no, no it, like, it's i don't like, have a chef's knife i have this curved like talon like blade knife. yeah yeah it, it, like haven't you ever seen those like oddly satisfying videos of people cutting fruit into weird shapes they usually use these like knives that are like they're they're curved forward although like the tip of them is usually rounded off too i think you're talking about a kukri maybe uh, or the kukuri, which is a type of machete originating from the Indian subcontinent. Yeah, yeah. I I think this is what you're thinking about. But they even they I mean they do make these types of weird. They're completely combat knives, and I think they're mostly for combat cosplay kind of bullshit. You know, people who think they're tough who just want a really fancy, weird-looking knife, like Chris Redfield, uh, like Chris Redfield. <laughs> Who should never use it because he has an assault rifle and probably the best pistol I've used in a Resident Evil game. And it's just like, you don't need that knife, buddy. Like, if you're going through like all the different uh, trophies you can get, you're going you're gonna to learn to love that knife, Scott. Ah, shit. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, I've always enjoyed the fact that uh, in these first-person games, you do get the two options of sort of slash or stab with like the alternate uh, fire of the knife. Oh, I sure. can't really call it alternate fire, alternate attack option. Um, I really like how I have never actually figured out what the range of the stab is. It is impossible to know in a way that just like makes way more sense in the 3D like rendition of the game when you're using a, a physical weapon. Um, so I just like, I try not to bother with the knives. I use them all the time in Resident Evil 7 because bullets were so scarce. But Resident Evil 8 is all about just like being appropriately or over-equipped for a situation. And yeah. that's why that last fight was so easy is because I never fired off like a single fire grenade. So I just, <laughs> I just used all the magnum ammo and all the uh, like fire grenades from the gr- grenade launcher immediately. And just watched her cycle through like final forms every 15 seconds. I feel like that's the most satisfying way to play those games though. Oh dude, yeah. Uh, it was the first Resident Evil I ever played was Resident Evil 4 and you betcha that I never used like whatever the Magnum version was in that game. And then, you know, you you meet your uh, priest guy and I'm just like, uh, there goes like, there goes a full uh, like what, you don't call it a clip or a magazine. Um, I can't remember what you call it for like a six shooter, but it's like, you know, there goes my first six and there goes, oh, and he's done. Okay, good fight. <laughs> I mean, it, it's still better than like Resident Evil 1 and 2 where ultimately uh, if you saved up your ammo, it, it just became a matter of like, oh, okay, do I have enough? Do I have enough ammo and herbs for this encounter? I do. Okay, you just stand in one place, you unload ammo 
you take hits, you heal, you unload more ammo, <laughs> and they're dead. It, it's straight up like a JRPG. It's it's a turn-based yeah. battle system at that point. Yeah. Um, but uh, going back to the potential DLC real quick, though, I, I was even going to say I didn't even think about the uh, about the points where he disappears. Uh, I was thinking about the implied uh, sequel DLC from him going back to the BSAA. Because at first I thought, like, uh, well, Resident Evil 9, you might actually play as Chris again. Uh, but uh, if you remember, Resident Evil 7's DLC has not a hero, Chris Redfield, uh, in that sort of, like, future DLC thing where he's going after Lucas. I never played the DLCs for that. Silly me. I, uh, I didn't either, I, so I just I'm pretty sure it. that I just have them, though. Like, I'm pretty sure they are in there those alternate stories or dlcs and i just didn't play them oh you should play the you should play the punch uncle one that one's really really fun (laughs) okay it it it, it provides you uh further context about uh zoe okay so um with uh with chris though chris redfield like at the end of the game he he talks about needing to go back to the bsaa because the bsaa literally sent zombies Mm -hmm. which like I, I mean, the first thing I think most people will uh, will get a little concerned about is that this starts to greatly mimic Resident Evil 6 with uh, the zombie gun-firing assholes uh, when you play as uh, Chris and Piers in that. So, obviously... I thought, of, uh, I thought of the frogs. Is it the frogs? I can't remember. I thought of Metal Gear Solid Five. whatever that, like, elite squad of sort of undead were. Oh yeah, the ones that like brought like a dust storm with them. They're very. I actually that was such a hard fight that that's where I stopped playing the game. Wait, really? You never finished five? Well, I mean, I guess no uh, one technically finished five. No <laughs> one finished five, so I didn't what? feel bad. I was just like, oh, this is where it ends. Snake loses, <laughs> and now it's been so long that if I go back to play that mission, what am I going to do? I don't even have the fundamental skills or competencies that I did before that fight, so I don't know how to do it. Wait, was it the actual forced fight, or was was it the the point where you get introduced to him? It's the dust storm fight, well, I think. Well, what I mean by that is that, like... Uh, I fought them before, is what okay, I Okay, okay, you encountered him before, and you potentially ran away from that fight, I take it. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, maybe I've encountered them twice and one time it was like I ran away from them and another time I think it was a much smaller group and I was able to kill them. Okay. Um, but this, this time or whatever, it's like, it has something to do with the helicopter escape, if I remember correctly. And, um, it's just like they're they're in massive number and I don't know how to run away from it. I'm like, I think I have to survive this fight against like a dozen of them ganging up on me, which it, is terrifying. It's been too long for me to remember like how that fight goes. I, I think about like an a helicopter and escaping and I remember a different boss fight where Oh god, like you can use a water tower to like put out the fire of a character, I think. Is yeah, that a f- different one? I don't Probably, that. I don't know. I all I know is I I think I've I rescued Spirit Talker or whatever a little bit before it, and I think you encounter the frogs right before that too. So I I dealt with them. I saved the Spirit Talker guy, and then it's part of like his extraction or a mission or two afterward that Wait, like you get into this fight. So you got through the one part where Metal Gear Solid Five spoilers, I guess. Uh, 
where uh, half of your base contracts an, uh, a disease. And it's obvious that it's all of the English speakers. Yeah. That was very fun. I just put them all in quarantine. Anybody who spoke English. And I was just like, that seems to work. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Are, wait are, you, are you memeing? No. Right? I think it's all your English speakers get sick. This is where everyone's sweating right now, thinking like, oh my gosh, all the people you fucking doomed. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very specific language. It never changes. It's uh, not English, though. Oh, uh oh, oh! <laughs> is all it those people? Uh, those I can't people? remember. I feel like there is an overlap somewhere. Um, but remember, Neil, I never move forward. I don't know what the consequences are. Those people are safe, as far as I know. I just never have to load that file. Wait, man i I don't remember this game as well as I thought I did. There, there's a point where like you have a really what I would consider like a great. Uh, cutscene where you actually have to enter the quarantine zone yourself. Oh shit! Haven't had to do that. It it's so fucking good. It's like the the all of the issues that five has, and trust me, there is a shit ton of them. So many that like you you finish the game story by going through incomplete cutscenes where characters aren't moving lip flaps and some animations Holy aren't shit. done. It's it's really it's really incomplete. Um. So, like, one chapter of the game, if you want to consider, like, each of the continents or, like, maps that you're at, different chapters, they literally mm. just didn't finish one chapter. One entire chapter you never get to. Uh, oh. But, so... So, I, I mean, I would say there's still, like, a satisfying ending, quote-unquote, where, like, everything makes sense, or but kind you know of makes it's, sense. You but, know it's not done. Yeah, but there's a, literally a chapter that's missing that you can see a bunch of like unfinished cutscenes from that follow uh, a plot thread that doesn't get resolved in the primary story. Um, Interesting. So as I'm saying, like, the, like yeah, the game's a fucking mess. But at the same time, there are some really good, there's some really good points here and there, and I think it's based around like my character, like my my very specific character or personality trait when it comes to movies and video games and anime is I'm usually looking for the positives, right? I tend to be like overly optimistic about things and I tend to, I, not always necessarily, but I tend to usually try and get out the, the most of things, right? Especially when like you're buying something and it's like, I, you, you might want to call it copium, <laughs> but, but I would argue it's like, I'm trying to enjoy something I spent money on, Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or or I'm spending time on. But so like with those with that being said, because I obviously don't want you to just go back to Metal Gear Solid 5 without knowing the potential the potential downsides. I think there are definitely some things in that game that make it worth playing. And I probably won't. It, but mechanically it's great. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's, all, it's, a really it's fun all the game. things it's all the things I loved about Snake Eater. Uh iterated upon. With, without the Except, without the the medical thing or yeah. Which is sad, because yeah. I did enjoy that, actually. I, w I would like to see it back, but it's fine that it's gone. And the CQC, I still don't understand it completely. Like, you now have karate abilities that you didn't sort of have before, or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't know how to use it, actually. There's, like, some sort of timing window or element to it that I don't know how to utilize in the way that all of the CQC and uh, Snake Eater was so intuitive and so, like, responsive um, once again, just like comparing that to how you would interact with enemies in like a grapple or sort of like CQC or holdups in Metal Gear Solid 2, it was just like so infinitely better in the next iteration right. that I'm just like, 
this has to be as good as the PS2 game from 10 years ago, and it doesn't feel that way. Or I'm having a hard time picking it up. And I don't feel, I guess, I don't feel like guilty or like it's my responsibility as a player to get it better because I'm like, I definitely have picked up on all these other mechanics just fine and been able to like utilize them and leverage them well. But what it, for whatever reason, this one is not clicking or working. And it, so I think it's more a mechanical issue with the game than it is a deficiency on my end. It because if it's a deficiency on my end, I can I, see it, it somewhere else. Please go ahead. No, I, I think you're 100% correct. It certainly felt like they they had some element of CQC in there just because thematically he needs to That's have it. the boss does. Yeah, yeah but like it, it... I don't think I participated in any extended use of like close quarters combat once in metal gear solid five you you have so many tools at your disposal you know yeah. outside of just choking people out of course but i think you, that's the pod do you do you know the ending of metal gear solid five then no i don't can we just, can we talk about that real quick <laughs> just real sure, fast sure i'll give 15 minutes on it and then i do have to roll the 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 twist again spoilers we already gave a warning for this i i'm yeah. sure most and you're welcome to spoil it because i who the, cares i probably might not get back to it so the twist is that you're not actually playing as big boss who am i you're playing who am i neil did you play ground zeros uh the big bummer is I uh, had that like legacy edition or whatever that gave me all of the Metal Gear Solids up to four, and I got to play just the tiniest bit of Ground Zeroes. Okay, well, so at at the end of Ground Zeroes, you're saving two characters that you are you were probably saying, uh, "Who the fuck are these characters?" Had you not played Peace Walker, the uh, PSP mm-hmm. game. But long story short, in the process of saving these characters, you find out that one of the characters has been implanted with a bomb. Yes. Yep. I do know that much. So, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Ground Zeroes. I'm thinking of Ground Zeroes is the Metal Gear Solid 5 preview to the Phantom Pain. Yep. What was I thinking of then? I was thinking of the one that introduces Paz as a character. Oh, so Peace Walker. Yeah. Peace Walker, yeah. I played just the tiniest bit of Peace Walker. But yeah, I, I saw I saw uh it's Paz or Chico, one of them explodes, and it's not good. And so uh as a result, what happens is uh on that helicopter there's a medic that is also mm-hmm. voiced by Kiefer. The voice of oh. <laughs> So you actually end up and, and why your face is all fucked up at the end of uh or at the start of the game or throughout the entire portion of it, I guess technically. Your face is all fucked up because you've you went through uh um facial reconstructions. Yeah, exactly. So you you went through surgery to look and be big boss while big boss went goes off to do other shit. What is he doing? Well, well, we'll get to that in a second. So, so the big okay. reveal is that you were never big boss to begin with, but that you were Keeper Sutherland, the you, helicopter you, pilot. Which, by the way, <laughs> I, I think that would have been the best fucking that they, that would have stuck the landing. I I feel like they would have won over so many people if when you when you finally get the reveal, which I'll have to explain a bit more in a second. When you finally get the reveal that you were not big boss, that when you actually see the real big boss, it's David Hayter's voice actor. 
that would have <laughs> been like i i am so fucking sure if they had pulled that off uh even with all the stupid drama that was happening between hater and konami or uh kojima at that point in time if they had done that and it turned out that was all just a fucking marketing ploy a genius marketing ploy i'm sure like a lot of people would have been like you know what Middle Gear Solid 5, not that bad, actually. Not that bad. Because <laughs> there's so many purists that love David Hayter for that role that, like... He is so good at it. I, I Well, I don't have to get into my conversation on that part. I, I think he's I fine with I it. Don't know, I don't know anything about David Hayter or any of that. I just know that, like, that's the voice, like, that's the voice that when I hear it, I think that is, that's Pliskin. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the guy. He he's the iconic voice for Snake in English, right? But like, yes, the when, when I when I started to like hyper focus on like the differences between Japanese Snake and English Snake, I can see why Kojima didn't necessarily feel like David Hayter had to be Snake, mm-hmm. because like it's a very very different vocal delivery and personality that the two people go for. And I'm not saying that David Hayter shouldn't have been Snake. I feel like they should have had a a more affordable voice actor for snake and metal gear solid five, because obviously oh, okay. like there's some fucking issues uh, that they had with development. But anyways, um, you only find this out basically after, uh, after playing through the start of the start of the game again, you know, where you have to, you literally play the exact same start of the game where you're getting up from your hospital bed, knocking over things, uh, going on horseback for a bit in your, in your surgical gown, like you go through that whole portion of the game again, except there's one cutscene at the end where it shows the real snake, uh, the real big boss meeting up with uh, with um, Ocelot, and he's got a, his fucking cigar in his mouth. He doesn't have a horn or anything, and I, I don't remember the exact order of things, but basically it's implied that in Metal Gear, Metal Gear, not Metal Gear Solid, but Metal Gear, the first time you kill Big Boss, you're actually killing V or uh venom snake the 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 snake you're playing in metal gear solid 5 phantom pain and when big boss is alive in metal gear 2 which is you know kind of like oh you didn't turn out to kill me (laughs) you're actually fighting the real big boss in metal gear 2 so metal gear solid 5 you could argue its whole purpose was more or less justifying if you really wanted to call it a plot hole as to why you kill big boss twice (laughs) Which I guess technically you don't even kill him the second time because he's still alive in Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh my god. And I am just loving uh, loving the background on this voice actor for the other stuff that he's been in. Um, sorry, one second. His name is Akio Otsuka. Um, he's got, man, he's got quite the list of uh stuff he's been in uh i didn't realize he played uh dimple for mob psychos uh japanese oh seriously uh, voiceover yeah he's also the i think the main bad guy in that my hero uh academia he's in a bunch of stuff he's in vinland saga um ghost in the shell he's bato like He's done a lot of a lot of big voices. He's Saizo in Gintama. Wait, really? 
Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? That's what it says. <laughs> He's in a shitload of stuff. That's why I'm like, wow, this is a lot. He is in everything. He's in Samurai it, Champloo. He's he like so Saizo's not really like a huge character compared to like compared to this, others, but I didn't even notice that. Wow. This man has a dozen voice roles per year, pretty much, that he's doing uh, in, it seems like, predominantly anime. But yeah. Wild. Dude, shout, shout out to Akio Otsuka, then. Um, he, I, I now need to hear a couple of... Oh, man, he's Wham! in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, Gizlek, when, when, you, said he, when you said he was the old man, I thought you meant uh, one of the NPCs we had run into, not Adachi. Adachi's not an old man, dude. Come on. Come on. He's, he might be close to retiring, but he's still young at heart. I, I still, yeah. man, like, it, it obviously would have been way too much of a time suck for you, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of sad you didn't get to see the reveal organically uh, within Metal Gear Solid 5. The best part is that they, they like, people on Reddit, or, like, someone, I think it was on Reddit or NeoGAF, literally called out the plot twist uh, before, before Phantom Pain, <laughs> like, word for Amazing. word, basically. And everyone thought he was fucking crazy. And it's like, they just had... <laughs> why Why would you even care that the medic was voiced by Kiefer? Who cares? Now, um... Brilliant. Uh, it just goes to show there's some really phenomenal, uh, I guess, writing talents out there on uh, NeoGAF. <laughs> but, uh... I mean, especially when you have other games like 999 to play. But... Yeah, which uh, well, I'm calling we, my... I'm, have I called my shot in 999 yet? I'm calling my shot in 999. Just one little thing. Uh, in the coffin on that furthest left route that I've finished, Snake is in that coffin. He's been put inside the coffin. So, wait, so you finished an ending or whatever? I finished an ending, and now I'm taking pretty much the dead opposite route. And the big change is like, first choosing to go through door number five to show june the splattered remains of number nine and then traumatizing her again by insisting and tricking the party into letting us go through door number three to find snake's remains uh it's a very gory and bloody and much more confrontational route than the previous one i did and uh it's even like sort of reflected by the puzzles being i think a lot darker too in some ways so why do you believe that uh, those aren't Snake's it's remains? It's Snake in there. Because his left arm. They never show Snake's left arm. And Clover says something about Snake's uh, left arm and then never follows up on it. But she's surprised. Like, she's like, that can't be my brother. I'm like, cool, it's not. Makes sense to me. You know, <laughs> can't recognize the face. Uh, body's totally mangled, but it's Snake's clothes. Interesting. All right. Seems like a red herring to me. Let's just ignore it. Snake's somewhere else. Nice, nice. I have no other information to go on right now, though. Uh, I just finished a puzzle that uh, essentially used like a brain scan in an electric chair. And so I'm moving forward from that. Cool. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that game moving forward. Are you a believer in furry, uh, furry Yunpa? I don't know what that is. Oh, Damn it, yeah. you've already <laughs> forgotten! What is, 
What is Furiyunpa? You don't know what it means? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I do not believe in Furiyunpa. I don't think it's a thing. Sacrilegious. Apologize to Furiyunpa. Furiyunpa? Is is that a thing? Is it a person? A place? Who's to say? You can't tell me. Uh, (laughs) And I think that does it for uh, episode five of uh, Tangential Advisory Podcast. Uh, Definitely being titled Furiyunpa? Furiyunpa. Furiyunpa? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember how it's pronounced anymore. Fuck. Uh, everybody, have a lovely week. We'll have see a, you next time. Have I'll have lots one, more nine 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 to talk to, talk about, and probably, hopefully, some Resident Evil New Game Plus takes. All right, peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>